This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. We keep it moving, yeah, we move it. Hey, I freaking love, I love the intro to the Low Life Podcast. Damn, that's a banger, right? Always puts me in the best mood. It's like freaking runway music. Oh, hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Low Life Podcast. I'm your host, Low Von Rumpf. I just got caught up in the music, you know? That should be something I do, release a low life soundtrack. I should just start off with a Spotify playlist for you guys. I need to do that. I've had a lot of requests. Do a Spotify playlist. I'm an Apple Music guy, but, you know, I'm going to go over to the world of Spotify and, and put some bangers on a soundtrack for you. So for today's episode, I talked last week about having a guest for today. Here's the thing when it comes to doing a podcast during a pandemic shit changes. So I didn't even say that who I'm going to have on. And that's because stuff always changes up. When you do a podcast in an actual studio, which is what I was used to when I've done Off the Vine with Caitlin Bristow or Only Child Podcast with my girl Ariel, we always recorded in a studio. And I feel like when you book guests and it's specific time within a studio, I don't feel like they cancel as much or scheduling wise. Plus, things are just different now with with lockdown and COVID and most of it's through Zoom now. And it just it's just a totally different vibe. So needless to say, the guest that we're supposed to have this week is now postponed scheduling conflicts. Plus, she needs a little vocal rest. That's a little hinty hint. She's a singer, oh, such a good singer. So I'm excited for that guest, but we're going to have her on at a different time, probably next week. That's the goal. Um, but that's why I don't ever confirm or say, like, this is the set guest because you never know when something's going to change up. And yeah, I just don't want to have anything set in stone until I actually have the freaking recording down, you know? But it kind of worked out perfect this week because I had done an open question and answer thing on Instagram and you guys submitted so many questions. I only got to like 30% of them. I did a fashion episode and I, I still wanted to answer some questions on career and other stuff that you guys asked. So today it gives me an opportunity to do that. And I never wanted to have a podcast that's reliant on a guest. I'm like, that's what I don't want. And I actually love when it's just me and the low lifers here, you know, we'd have a great episode. So we have a great show in store for you. We're going to talk some fashion, career, life. We're going to get into it. Without further ado, let's just jump right into today's episode of the Low Life Podcast, shall we? God, I love the month of March. It's my favorite month for several reasons. First things first, the weather. I love March weather in Los Angeles. In California, it's just perfect. Like it was 75 degrees. The birds were chirping. The bees were a-buzzing. It was beautiful, sunny weather, not too hot, not too cold, just really nice. Like you can, you know, go and work out outside. It kind of felt like a little summer vibe, which is nice. But now today it's gloomy and rainy and we're going to have rain for the next three, four days, which I love. I freaking love. I love the rain. Little gloom. It's perfect. Like sleeping with my window open and like the smell of rain in the morning. Oh. It's the best. Plus, it gives me a chance to wear like a cute trench coat. I put on my cozy little sweat, a beanie. Like even if we get one little droplet of water, like if I see a droplet of water on my windshield, I'm like full blown. It's London. I want to look like I'm prepared for a winter storm. Um, it's funny, too, when there's even a speck of water on a freeway from the rain. Um, L.A. freaks out. A lot of cities are like that that aren't used to weather changes, <laughs> L.A. being one of them. People like freak out with the rain. Traffic gets even worse. <laughs> People are like, I'm not going into work today. It's raining. I'm like, it's a light, it's a light drizzle, Susan. But I love going out in the rain and working out when it's kind of like raining outside. Ugh, everything. We don't get rain that often, so I'm not going to complain about it. I'm going to Love it. And hell, we need it. We're always in like drought over here. So the only weather I can't do is humidity. Oh, my God. I hate I hate it. Like Texas humid or Miami in the summer. Oh, 
I just, I don't like being like sticky and wet. Mm-mm. I always look, your skin looks great. I'll give you that. Um, in that type of weather, it's so good for your pores, but I'm just a sweaty mess and I always just feel sticky and dirty. So that's my least favorite weather, but I don't have to worry about that here in Los Angeles. But March is my favorite. One, the weather. Two, it's Women's Empowerment Month. That's right. We're celebrating all the queens of the world. And this is the month we do it. So every week for the month of March, I want to celebrate different queens that have impacted the world, left a legacy, queens that we just love. This is the month where we celebrate them, which is perfect timing because we're going to kick it off with a queen in my life who I love so much and has made a huge impact in my world. Uh, my mama, who was born March 1st. Uh, so she is a Pisces. Another reason why I love the month of March, Pisces. All my Pisces peeps out there, if you are a Piscean king or queen, I freaking love you. It's a water sign. I'm not super into horoscopes, but I know enough about them. Plus, I have friends who are super obsessed and live by it. And I'm not that extreme. Um, I have one girlfriend and she was going to go on a date with a guy and she found out he was a Sagittarius, which I guess wasn't compatible with her sign. And she's like, I... I realize he's a Sagittarius. And I just can't have Sag energy around me right now. So I had to cancel the date. I was like, damn, that's so, so intense. Uh, but I get it. Sure. You know, I'd still go on a date with someone who wasn't technically compatible with me based on their horoscope sign. I'm always down to, you know, try it out. But some people take it very serious. But when it comes to Pisces people, oh my God, they are nurturers caretakers, highly intelligent, sweet. I haven't met a Pisces person I didn't love. And I mean, who are we celebrating this month? There's some incredible Pisces out there. Emily Blunt, Justin Bieber, my mama. Who else is a Pisces out there? Sharon Stone. Is Michelle Obama a Pisces? There's a lot of incredible Piscean peeps out there that I love. So I didn't get super into astrology. But one of my girlfriends bought me this book, and it's called Sextrology, S-E-X-trology, T-R-O-L-O-G-Y. Anyway, it's a thick-ass book, and it breaks down the signs to every detail. So let's say you're an Aries. It will go down to, like, you're an Aries, and it will show if you date another Aries, you date a female Aries or a male Aries. And then every single sign, it shows how you're compatible with them, what to expect. And then it breaks down your sign in such detail, and it goes into the whole, like, your sexual preferences and, and all that sort of thing. And I'm like, there's no way like this is going to be accurate. I'm a little skeptical of stuff like that at times, but I will say I read up on my side and I was like, oh, damn, they got me pegged. Like, how did they know that stuff? Like, it was pretty specific, the things that they were mentioning. Uh, and so I'm a cancer, which is a little crab, also a water sign, very sensitive, emotional, uh, and most of the attributes that are associated with the cancer are pretty spot on with me. Cancers are known for having like a hard shell, like a wallet, but once you open it up, it's sweet and amazing. Who doesn't like a good crab leg, right? Some warm butter. <laughs> so, yeah, I am a little cancer crab over here. And I was reading up on my sign and there was one thing it said about like sexual, like what I prefer. And it was so specific. Oh yeah, earlobes. Now, it's not like my fetish. I'm not like obsessed with earlobes. Like some people have like a foot fetish, but I do enjoy my earlobes being played with, which sounds weird, but like, I don't know. It feels good. I like it. Um, some people hate when you touch their ears. They're like, don't, don't touch my ear. I don't mind it. I actually kind of love it. In the book, they were saying you like to have your earlobes stimulated regularly. And yeah, I guess I do. Also said you enjoy having sex in the water and in the shower and accurate. I do. I love, sure, pool, bath, the jacuzzi. No, not a jacuzzi, but like a shower situation. Oh, my God. Love it. Maybe that's because I'm a water sign, but I enjoy a good sex moment in, in the shower. It's great. Some people don't. I guess that could be based on your horoscope sign. I have no idea, but regardless, it's Pisces season. Yay. So that's another reason why I love March. 
And then last but not least, of course, uh, it's Cesar Chavez Day in March. Cesar Chavez, I'm sure you guys are familiar with him, but he's a migrant farm worker, became a leader, major activist uh, for you know racial and economic discrimination, specifically with the Chicano community. He's a very celebrated figure in our house. And it's because I come from a family on my mother's side of migrant farm workers. So my mom's born March 1st, and it's really sweet. But her grandmother, who's my great grandma, was actually born March 1st as well. So my mom is the namesake of her grandma. They were extremely close. The relationship that I have with my Nana and how we're best friends. She's my confidant. She's like a second mother to me. And I was obsessed with my Nana and losing her was like losing a part of myself. I just, I mean, to this day, I still, I grieve for my Nana. As you guys know, I've talked about it. We're going to do a whole episode on grieving and dealing with loss. We haven't even delved into all of that, but anyway, losing her was painful. And I know uh, when it comes to my mom, you know, because she shares the same birthday as her, her Nana, her grandma. It's a difficult day for her, too. It's bittersweet, you know, because she misses her so much. And I knew my great grandma, but she passed away when I was around 10 years old. So I didn't I didn't get those like adult type memories with her. They're not crystal clear. The ones that I have of her as a kid are pretty vivid. Um, But of course, my mom was very close with her and they had such incredible memories together and my mom shares stories about her grandma, and she was spicy, sharp, smart, funny, uh, quick-witted, and a matriarch of the family. And just uh, she just was a just a lovely, warm, sweet woman um, who everybody just loved. And she worked her ass off, and she worked her ass off in the fields, and she picked strawberries and dates and cotton, and you know came from absolutely nothing and and ended up you know having children and you know first generation and then tried to give them a better life. But she was part of the march with Cesar Chavez, you know, the Sisi puede, and she was out there, and you know she was getting paid nothing. It was like slave labor for these people being taken advantage of and. Anyway, that's why Cesar Chavez is celebrated in our house. Um, And if you don't know a lot about him, he's an incredible human rights advocate who passed away. And I believe it was Barack Obama in like, what, 2014 that made Cesar Chavez an actual national holiday. And in some states, there's like five or six states where they actually closed down like schools, like a Columbus Day situation, which Columbus is the freaking worst. I'm like, get rid of his day. And replace it with Cesar Chavez. Por favor. But anyway, the month of March is just great for all of those reasons. So, uh, For my mom's birthday. Oh, man. This was a weird birthday. Weird because we're in a pandemic. So thinking back to last year, March 1st, that's when shit was just starting to close down. We were hearing like, wait, what's going on? Coronavirus? The, wait, that's a virus that's happening. And and there was still like a lot of unknown questions. And all I knew was toilet paper. There was a shortage of it. People started panicking. and But gatherings were still happening. And it wasn't till mid-March that everything really closed down, especially in California. So Queen's birthday last year was like normal. We had a bunch of family and friends and it was, you know, not a huge gathering, but we definitely had more than 10 people there. This year, no, we kept it tight. We have our little COVID crew, our quarantine peeps, you know, we're smart about it. And uh, we only have what, six people total. And it's everyone who's been, you know, being responsible, quarantine, everyone's getting tested multiple times. Um, A couple of the people in our group have already been vaccinated. I kind of love the small group though. Yeah, it was nice. I thought I would miss having like a big family thing. And of course, I want to see everybody, but um, they called in or zoomed in or whatever. But I was in charge of putting on dinner. And my mama is the Mexican Martha Stewart of the family. And I love that you guys are so familiar with my mama now. She's been on the podcast. You know exactly who the queen is. So it's great because as I'm talking about her, you know exactly what's up. You know, you got the scoop. So with the queen's birthday, she always does the planning, the cooking. She's the hub for any holiday, baptisms, birthdays, 
freaking quinceanera, whatever it may be, a graduation. She's the one planning it, cooking. It's held at her house. Uh, and my mom's home has just become like the hub and she's the nucleus, truly the glue that binds this family together. So for her birthday, I don't want her to have to worry about planning and cooking and cleaning and doing anything except enjoying the celebration. As she's gotten older, I see she completely lets go, you know, and she's down to like, trust me with stuff. But I always want to go over the top and make sure it's to the queen's standards, <laughs> which are, she's meticulous. Uh, and I just want it to be as special as she makes it for everybody else. Because I'm like, she deserves that. She puts in so much love and effort and attention to make everything so special for each member of our family that I just want her to feel that too, you know? So if you watch my Instagram stories, I threw it down. You would have thought I was hosting like a Grammy party or some huge event. Like it looked like a wedding, but no, no, it was, you know, only five or no, six of us total, including Dookie. But I was able to throw this little gathering, family dinner, intimate family dinner, uh, design on a dime though, did it on a budget. I didn't spend a ton of money, but it looks expensive. Because I have people messaging me. I posted on my story, like doing the flower arrangements and making all the food and stuff. And they're like, God, you must spend so much money. I'm like, no, boo. I actually did it on a budget. This is the thing, though. Like, I'll go to the flower market. And if I were to go to an actual florist or buy the flowers anywhere else, like an actual like grocery store, it's double, sometimes triple the price. And these arrangements, I spent $100 on flowers. And I got like four big arrangements out of it. Three for the table. I do like these small pave style vases. And then one big one for like the buffet table where I put all the food. And I, my mom loves flowers. That's her thing. More than any gift. Although she was very excited for the label maker I got her. That was like her number one gift she wanted was a new label maker for 30 bucks on Amazon. So she got that because it syncs with her phone. She could print out a label no matter where she's at in the world. And that's all she wants because she's the organizational queen. But she also loves flowers. So I did all the arrangements, um, but I only spent, yeah, a hundred bucks. And then I got these cute little erasable blackboards, like chalkboards, um, to write each name of the guest. And, and then I label all the food and, you know, I got pretty penmanship. So I used the little chalk writing marker. And uh, wrote those out. And then I printed out little photos of my mom. And I printed them out like Polaroids. You could do like Polaroid paper for your printer. And then I cut them out and put them around the table. And it's great because I did some, you know, my mom when she got her first car and pictures of my mom when she was a kid and, and pictures of her and I and my dad and her. And, and they're great for conversation. And it's so nostalgic. So, and then of course, I printed out pictures of of uh, my great grandma too. And that was my mom's main gift, the flowers, you know, the meal, the label maker. And then I had one of my mom's favorite pictures of her grandma professionally framed with like a nice mat, you know, around it and a beautiful frame that matched the house. Um, so she could put that up. So my mom just loved it. All right. Sorry to interrupt, but we'll be right back. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba, and we're back. <laughs> and my dad, of course, wanting to be helpful, came home and he goes, oh, I picked up some dessert plates for the cake. And I said, oh, OK, cool. I mean, we have ceramic plates, you know, white ones here. And he goes, oh, well, I just figured, you know, these were on sale and then we won't have to wash as many dishes. And which is I was like, oh, God. So he shows me these plates. I know he meant well, but these plates are like baby blue plates with freaking anchors all over them. Like my mom's a sailor or something. I'm like, what the f is this? That was my internally what I was thinking. But I just have to not be a control freak. Let it go. It was thoughtful that he got plates, even though they're discounted clearance plates and they don't go with the table. And I hate them. I'm not going to say that. Inside voice internal dialogue. So I said, thanks, dad. These are great. And I just kind of hit them <laughs> behind <laughs> one of my flower arrangements. And then we used them later. But, you know, 
I have to remember that even though I'm, you know, putting on like a little dinner and I'm so involved in making sure everything's perfect. Sometimes you got to let little things go and not be a complete control freak, you know? So anyway, like even the meal, my dad wanted to kind of help with certain things. And I'm like, don't touch the salad. Like you're going to make it look like shit. We had cake. We had uh, Bunuelos de Viento. Oh my God. Bunuelos de Viento. I put that recipe up on Instagram too. It's so good. Oh, damn. It's usually made around Christmas. It's big around the holidays or like a wedding, um, but they're basically funnel cake for Spanish people. They are so delicious. They're light, flaky, melt in your mouth, delicious. You take this batter, it looks like pancake batter, but it's sweetened with almond or vanilla. You dip this molding, this cast iron molding into the batter and the molding looks kind of like a, like a big flower dip it into the batter and then you drop it into hot oil and it fries up and then you take it right out of the hot oil put some cinnamon sugar and then top it with powdered sugar Mm, oh my god i'm licking my chops just thinking about it they are so good it tastes like a churro and uh the the texture of it i guess it would be kind of like a like a light flaky funnel cake or churro it's not dense at all that's why they're dangerous because you could eat like five of them and then you realize like oh my god i just had how much grease in my body like you know like feeling sick um, but they're they're very tasty you could top them with nutella and stuff like that i realized like saying like churro like i'll say it with like rolling the r my family gives me so much shit for that here's the thing when it comes to pronouncing certain words my mom gets so irritated when I don't pronounce the words like authentically, <laughs> like my family gets pissed. So I remember I came home one time and we're at the table eating dinner and I was like, oh, mom, could you pass the cilantro? And my mom looked at me. You would have thought I dropped an end bomb at the table or some like crazy shit, like word that should never be said you know like a forbidden word she looked at me she said what the did you just say and i said pass the cilantro and she goes who are you do you forget where you come from cilantro what are you white who says cilantro and then this how you know how to say cilantro and i'm like but mom i think that's ridiculous and my family they're all on the same page like they'll make fun of me for saying words, I guess, like whitewashed, but it's kind of like Giada de Laurentiis for me. And people give her shit too. So Giada de Laurentiis, are you familiar with her? She's on the Food Network. She's this cute little Italian chef and she has, you know, big white smile and she's super talented. I love watching her stuff. Sometimes she's a little annoying, but most of the time obsessed, but she'll make Italian dishes. That's her thing. You know, she's had to a ton of cookbooks. She has a show. It's all about Italian cooking. She'll speak without an accent. So, for example, she'll be like, okay, today we're going to have a delicious summer salad. It's one of my favorite things to prepare with my family. And we're just going to add some fresh mozzarella. And then we're going to add the little pine nuts. And then we're going to go in with some ricotta. And she'll just freaking go in with the Italian. You know what I'm saying? Which... I love that she does that, but people kind of make fun of her for it you know, online. There's like memes and stuff about her doing that. So I remember going to dinner with friends and ordering, I forget what I ordered, but I was like, oh yeah, can I get the carne asada? And everyone was like, oh really? You had to roll your R low, like calm down there, Mr. Fucking Mexican over here. And I was like, embarrassed. Like they all were laughing. They're like, okay, carne asada, chill though. It's carne asada. Anyway, needless to say, I don't know how I got on that tangent, but that's something that irritates my family if you say the words incorrectly. So I'm throwing the accent thick. So my mom and my dad, we have the dinner. We had delicious food, comida, italiano with mozzarella cheese, and it was wonderful. Oh, fun family idea for you guys for family gatherings. When they do start happening, if you can have family gatherings, we do a round of Pictionary. Whoever's birthday it is, we do Pictionary, which is so fun. I, I always trips me out when I hear families that don't have games. I'm like, what do you guys do then? 
because that's all I love to do with my family, puzzles and games, especially for the holidays or any type of special occasion. But for my mom's birthday or any birthday, we always do a game of of birthday person Pictionary. So all the words have to do with the birthday girl or birthday boy. So for my mom, we do like words like taquitos, guacamole, <laughs> like, you know, Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson, heal the world, which is her favorite Michael Jackson song. And we'll put a bunch of different words that have to do with her. And then we have to draw those words. You know, we do separate teams and then we have to go and draw those words that pertain to her. But it's really funny because it really makes you think, like, how well do you know the person? And also some uh, we put some obscure words on there, too, like, you know, perm, because my mom used to get perms back in the day or, you know, shit like that. But it's a really fun game. So I don't know if you want to, like, try and do something fun with your family, um, doing a game of Pictionary around a specific person. It's actually hilarious. We put in a bunch of words and sometimes, you know, our family could be savage with it. Like for my mom, they put in um, psoriasis. (laughs) So messed up. But like for my birthday, they put like eczema as one of the words. (laughs) I was like, damn. And like on the board, like someone drew like red cheeks. I was like, oh, rude. But you kind of like chirp people like, you know, your family. And it just ends up being really funny. Um, So that was one of the words, psoriasis. And my mom's like, how dare you? (laughs) All right, so I want to jump into some questions and answers from the low lifers. We opened up the low life hotline is what we're calling it (laughs) for today's segment. You guys could ask whatever you wanted. Uh, You're going to ask questions and you're about to get some answers. So let's jump into it. It's the low life hotline segment. Hit it. All right, so our first question comes from Candace in Bend, Oregon. Oh my God, I love Bend, Oregon. Candace, that's such a great place to live. My aunt used to live in Bend, Oregon, and I love visiting her in the summer. There's this one place, it's called Pilot Butte. I think it's like a hiking type mountain trail, but at the top, very top, there's this burger joint that's so good. Little fat kid in me like loves it. But you can get onion rings, big steak fries, and the best burgers uh, with the view. And uh, damn, I need to get to Bend, Oregon. I can't wait when travel and stuff opens up. I want to go to Oregon. All right. So Candace writes, Halo, love your podcast. Thank you, Queen. She writes, my husband and I have been doing movie nights. And so far, we love your recommendations. Night Stalker was creepy as hell, (laughs) but so good. Now, I know you love the dark stuff. I sure do, Candace. Uh, She said, but do you have any good recommendations of a show or a movie that won't terrify my 13 year old daughter who still wants to watch with us? I love watching the dark stuff with my husband, but we also want to have a family friendly night. Any good recommendations? All right. Well, you've come to the wrong place. No, (laughs) only dark stuff here. Sociopath serial killer documentaries is all you're going to get. No, I I too need a break sometimes from the heavy stuff. Don't get me wrong. Anything like Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer or some crazy shit like that. I do love it. But sometimes I need to turn off and not go down that road, which is why like Bridgerton was a nice escape. Oh, that was good. Plus the sex scenes and that. Whoo, hot. That show is basically Gossip Girl in Marie Antoinette costumes. So that's one I love. But that's a low life listener recommendation. You guys really wanted me to watch that one, but I do have some great ones for you. Okay, here we go. First things first, I'll start off with a couple movies I just recently watched and they're so good. On HBO, it's the Bee Gees documentary. It's called How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? an HBO original film. It's a couple hours. Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I'm a huge Bee Gees fan. Like they're definitely top three groups in my head. I grew up loving their music. My mom's a huge Bee Gees fan. I'm obsessed with disco music. Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta. I mean, that's obviously all Bee Gees soundtrack. Uh, But that group, their voices Like, I've been obsessed. I've been hearing them since I was, you know, a little kid. Um, So that music really hits home for me. 
But regardless, even if you're not a Bee Gees fan, which, what? Not a Bee Gees fan. Like, how could you not love their music? It's so good. But anyway, regardless if you're a fan or not, they have a really great story. And I feel like, I don't know if your daughter, Candice, if she's into music at all, but if you are or just want to hear a really interesting story about some incredible artists, I think it's a really interesting and totally family-friendly thing to watch. I mean, they do mention, you know, drug abuse and stuff in it, um, but it's not heavy. It's actually very interesting. And especially seeing how these three brothers were able to, from Australia, came here to the States and became massive, massive stars. I mean, richer than Midas. I mean, Saturday Night Fever is still one of the top grossing albums of all time. It's crazy to me. But they were pioneers in the industry and the way they created music and the way they wrote their hits uh, and the way they worked together was really fascinating. Of course, they faced a lot of adversity and stuff, which they get into. And I love how in the documentary, they really bring in the Bee Gees story, but how relevant it is in today's time. And they have artists like Justin Timberlake, who obviously was so influenced by the Bee Gees from a young age, uh, Chris Martin from Coldplay. They have these really great artists, you know, that are popular in today's time um, that were so heavily influenced by the work of these three brothers who created masterpieces. They're just brilliant little songbirds. So they wrote all these hits. They're brilliant composers, writers. Their musicality is just freaking off the charts. But it's crazy because in the 70s, the Bee Gees, I mean, they were the 70s. You know, they were disco music, which they didn't want to be disco music. They were kind of pegged as that because of the Saturday Night Fever, you know, craze. And plus they had, I think it was like five hits on that album, five number one platinum hits, like nuts. But they were so associated with disco, which is my favorite era. I love disco. Like if I could teleport myself, do a little time travel and go to any decade. Mm. It'd be the disco era. I'd want to go to like 1973, put me in in New York, Studio 54. I would be partying with Michael Jackson, Andy Warhol, Diana Ross. I'd be doing drugs. I would. I'd have to. That's part of Studio 54. I'd be drinking. I'd have on my freaking platforms, bell bottoms, my shirt opened up, glistening, dripping in glitter. Ugh. I just, what a time to be alive. I mean, a lot of bad shit happened during that time, too. Don't get me wrong. But like, just I love the fashion. I'm obsessed with the music and disco just really does it for me. I could be in the worst mood. You put on some Bee Gees. Oh, man, it just takes you to a happy place. So in the documentary, it's interesting, though, because disco was so branded with the Bee Gees. And then towards the late 70s, early 80s, there was this whole disco sucks movement, a lot of rock and roll and heavier rock influence was you know coming into america and it was becoming super mainstream and disco became like oversaturated and it became like not cool and this whole burning disco cds and getting rid of any disco memorabilia or anything to do with that specific genre of music was no longer the cool thing to do i was talking to my mom about it and she's like yeah that was happening but i always loved disco i wasn't burning my cds I didn't realize, though, and my mom was telling me about this, too, that it was very racially charged. So it's interesting, not only in this documentary are you getting to learn about these prolific songwriters that, I mean, still stand the test of time. They're still inspiring people to this day with their music. Uh, But it touches on cancel culture, which was even happening then. And these three brothers who just were literally born to do this, born for music, rather than being defeated and being canceled, um, they ended up utilizing their incredible writing skills and songwriting skills and their musicality was, I mean, it's a, it's a gift. It was what they had, Um, but they wrote so many hits for, for people. I mean, they had a lot of hits. And when you watch the documentary, you're like, what? The Bee Gees wrote that and that one. Oh, and that song, too. Like, it's one of those. But it was also interesting to learn about that whole Disco Sucks era when that was happening. It was so racially charged and it was actually against like black musicians. 
Like they weren't only burning Bee Gees and disco CDs. They were burning Marvin Gaye. That's not disco. They were burning a lot like Smokey Robinson, like some other incredible Motown type artists. And it became, again, more against a specific race, which parallels what happens in the world even today. So it's really interesting to kind of see that side of it. And anyway, the story is it's a beautiful story. The music, oh, throughout the entire documentary, they're giving backstories to some of their greatest hits and how they wrote them and came up with the concept. And your mind will be blown. How Can You Mend a Broken Heart on HBO is low lifer approved. Five out of five stars. Boom. All right. Next one. I'm going to go with the Billie Eilish documentary. I know I'm keeping it in the music genre, but that's another really good one. So it's called Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. That's on Apple TV. It's so well done. I'm a Billie Eilish fan. I think she's great. I'm not like a huge fan of hers. Um, but I respect her craft. I think she's extremely talented. But I like that it goes into how this young person, young adult, I mean, she was what, like 15 when she rose to stardom and her whole life changed. But it's nice because this documentary really shows how how she navigated that. And she's actually very down to earth and real. And I think it's great, especially for Candace, for your daughter who's around the same age, I think she would really relate. And I'm sure she's a huge fan of Billie Eilish. Um, most of her fan base is around that age demographic. But it's cool to see her family dynamic, how she's navigating the, the stardom, the fame, her writing process, what she's going through. So she had her first album, which was a massive success. Now she's going into her second album. Uh, and it kind of takes you on that journey. But it's a really well done, well thought out, documentary style movie and she has a great relationship with her brother and yeah i think that's a great one to watch you know as a family i watched it with my parents they loved it too and they my mom likes billy eilish uh, my dad he's so you know my dad's more like i like dean martin but you know he still thoroughly enjoyed it so i'm gonna give that one as well um five out of five stars billy eilish the world's a little blurry low life for approved boom all right next one i'm gonna go with it's a TV show on Netflix, Firefly Lane. It's pretty popular. I think it's like top 10 in the nation for stuff you should watch on Netflix. The music might have changed with the decades. But the promises made on Firefly Lane remained. Best, Best friends forever. I didn't think it'd be my cup of tea. It's more of like a drama, which I was like, eh. And it's like Katherine Heigl. And who's the other actress in it? I think her name's like Sarah Chalk or something like that. I do like Katherine Heigl from her Grey's Anatomy days, but I don't know. I thought it would be a show that kind of was like, like grown-ish on ABC. Like, I don't really love like Modern Family. Like, those aren't, they're great shows. They're just not my shows, you know? But this one, I have to say, it lured me in. Uh, it's, it's well done. It's funny. It's smart. It's cute. It's not the best writing. The costuming's kind of terrible. Because there's a thing, they do a lot of flashback scenes. So you really have to watch, pay attention because like one minute it's current day. And then within five minutes, they're back in the seventies and then they flash forward to the eighties. And then it's like, oh, wow, what is happening? Uh, but butterfly effect vibes, but it's sweet and it's a coming of age type show. And it shows the bond between these two young girls who stay best friends. And again, like navigating a relationship and their own relationships and their friendship and the trials and tribulations and and everything that goes, you know, from having, you know, bad parents and coming from a house of abuse um, to dealing with, you know, addiction. And Katherine Heigl, she does a great job. She plays kind of like an Oprah Winfrey type, you know, major celebrity host that everybody loves. Um, but she's dealing with some demons that nobody knows about. Yeah, it's a good show. And it leaves you, oh my God, the ending, it leaves you like, what the hell? They definitely need a season two. It's one of those shows that could be cheesy at times, but I don't know. It's really cute. I think it's good. And it's great for the family to watch. So, all right. So Firefly Lane, I'm going to give that four out of five stars. Only because I have to give a star off because I think the costuming and the wigs are so bad. Yeah. I don't think it's groundbreaking television, but it's, it's sweet television. It's escapism. So yeah, Firefly Lane is 
low lifer approved. We're going to take a beat. We'll be right back. And we're back. Our, our next question comes from Nicole in Alberta, <gasps> a Canadian queen. Alberta, that's where Caitlin's from. Um, Caitlin Bristow, she's from Alberta, Canada, too. So Nicole writes, hey, Lo, do you have a favorite decade to dress for? And do you have any trends that you're recommending right now or trends you hate? All right. Yes, I do have a favorite decade of fashion. That's the 70s. I love 70s fashion, going back to the Bee Gees vibes. Um, and it's actually making a huge comeback right now, which is great. Everything's cyclical, but I'm seeing, you know, like wide leg trousers are coming back, high-waisted pants, vest, layering, lots of prints, which is great. And all of those warm tones from the 70s, rich orange color, uh, turquoise, a lot of that is making a comeback, which is great. And it's easy stuff to wear. You know, it's like layering a lot of pieces, a lot of like crochet type knits and stuff, slouchy bags. Um, also wearing like oversized hats and stuff like that is really cute too. Um, distressed denim and a more relaxed silhouette is definitely popular right now. And I'm always down for like a disco dress. I mean, no one has anywhere to go right now, but if you ever just feel like throwing on a slip dress with like an amazing oversized coat and some disco heels, uh, you're living. You are li like, have yourself a disco situation at your home. Make yourself a cocktail, throw on some Bee Gees, more than a woman, and live your best life because that's what I'm about to do this weekend. <laughs> As for trends I hate, there's no trends that I hate. Mm-mm. I mean, there's trends I don't think that look good on me. Like for, uh, I remember last season, red and orange, like bright orange and bright red were very popular. I love those colors, just not on me. But that's because I have eczema and I don't like red to wear red because it brings out the red tones in my skin. I'm very mindful of those things. There's certain colors that just don't work on my skin tone. I have, you know, that red undertone. So like I avoid wearing like pinks, bright pinks, uh, red orange. I stick to, for my skin tone, because I have the redness, uh, I'll go more jewel tones, cool tones. So lots of blue, which is one of my favorite colors. Um, purple, teal are the most flattering. Finding the perfect shade of red or pink or whatever based on your skin tone is so important. 70s is great. I talked about this in the last fashion episode, but the joggers, I'm so glad they're not out of style. Even if they were, I'd still be rocking them. But I love a jogger sweatsuit, little matching set. So freaking cute. Also, athleisure is great. You know what I love to do? Like take, a, let's say, like a pair of like cute athletic type shorts and throw on like a hoodie with it and then layer that with a blazer and then finish it off with a combat boot, like a Doc Martin combat boot. I like mixing and matching different vibes, different types of looks that you wouldn't necessarily think go together. But I have to say, when it comes to your fashion, have some fun with it. Sometimes if you think it's unexpected and doesn't go together, that's when it actually works out the best. I think the fashion is freedom. So really just play with it. So if you want to do, for example, if you have like a cute dress, like a slip dress or, you know, like a daytime dress. That's easy, comfortable to wear, but you throw it on with sneakers. That's cute. Like you don't have to wear it with a heel uh, or a open toe sandal. Sometimes it looks great with a pair of Nikes or Chuck Taylors or yeah, have some fun with it. I don't like to play by too many rules when it comes to fashion. All right. Helena doesn't say where she's from, though. But Helena writes, low, are skinny jeans still cool? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a whole thing. Skinny jeans are cool. They're great. I love skinny jeans. Yeah, I've said it again. I said that on the last podcast too about skinny jeans because so many people are like, they're out. I've read articles from, you know, like Harper's Bazaar, why skinny jeans should be thrown out. No, they shouldn't. If you like skinny jeans and they look good on you, like, I don't think that silhouette's ever going to go out. Rock it. I love it. Yeah. Now, it's not necessarily the most popular right now because a more relaxed denim is what's hot, but sometimes relaxed denim doesn't look great on everybody. Some people look better in a skinny jean. If you're one of those people, then still rock your skinny jeans. I don't think it's going to look like you're out of style or, you know, not trendy. 
All right. Debbie in Colorado writes, Lo, how do you feel about Birkenstocks? Oh, are you rocking those in Colorado? You must be in Boulder, Debbie. All right. I'm not the biggest fan of Birkenstocks on my feet. I think they make my feet look weird. It's just not flattering. But I will say, I'll see other people wearing them, and I think they look really cute. And now Birkenstocks is really up to their game because they'll have different colors. Like they had like a white leather one that looks really cute for spring. Uh, I've seen metallic ones. I'm actually into the Birkenstock. Just not my sandal. But if you think they look good on you, then rock them because they're comfortable as hell and they last forever. I have a couple pairs of Birkenstocks. Now, granted, I don't wear them all the time because I think my feet look like Sasquatch in them. But if they look great on you, rock them. And yeah, the ones I've had, I've had them for literally a decade. Our next question comes from Sean in Australia. Damn. Good day, mate. Oh, crikey. <laughs> and my one listener from Australia, I just lost that one listener. Sorry, you little koala. Okay, let's see what you have to say. Sean from Australia writes, Hey, Lo, loving the name change. Low Life Podcast is where it's at. Question for you is, what's your most embarrassing moment? Spill the tea. Most embarrassing moment, like in life in general? Oh my God, Sean, this is a loaded question. Loaded pregunta. If I were to think about all the embarrassing moments I've had in life, I mean, God, I'd need like a podcast series just for that. I really had some <laughs> doozies in there. Uh, I embarrass myself all the time. Uh, I'll go with an embarrassing moment that happened in the last few months. Actually, this is one I was just going to say for my journal entry, the privacy of my journal. But um, I guess uh, I'll be sharing it today. This is a safe place. I had a photo shoot. I was really excited for this photo shoot. This was three weeks ago. And photo shoots are happening right now in LA, but they're few and far between. I used to have photo shoots like, I'd say like three to four a week. I was busy. Like primetime season, like right now, it's award show season and I'd be doing tons of photo shoots. But because of everything going down and the pandemic, photo shoots are few and far between. And a lot of the photo shoots I'm doing now are via Zoom. Like I'm messengering clothes to a location and then styling it over Zoom. It's such a weird thing to do. Um, I'm getting used to it now. But this specific photo shoot was for a magazine cover. And we we're doing like a magazine cover and then a four-page spread on the inside. It was five models, several looks, and it was going to be in person. And I like this one because I felt safe because they were testing beforehand. Uh, you had to quarantine before the shoot. And then the actual shoot, they were doing testing on site there. Um, and the location was really cool. Um, it had all these cool backgrounds, and I'd never shot there before, which is tough for me to find a place I haven't shot at this point in L.A., like 10 years in, but I hadn't shot at this place before. Um, even though it was downtown, I was pretty excited for it. And now I'm like, oh, my God, I get to, like, go to a photo shoot, like, in person. Yay! <laughs> you know, like, I was looking forward to it. So I got a good night's sleep the night before, and I got to take my time getting ready. I did a sleep mask, so my skin was looking all good the next day skin was popping. Uh, I made sure I looked really good. You know, I picked out a cute outfit. I had these pinstripe pants that kind of look like 1950s, like Ricky Ricardo style or catch me if you can, Leonardo DiCaprio vibes. Um, they're black with thin little gray and white pinstripes on them. They're uh, vintage uh, with John Varvatos. I got them on sale like five years ago and I only wear them when I want to look super cute. Um, but I wear those with my high top uh, sneakers or sometimes I'll wear like a penny loafer with them just depends on the mood. Uh, but for this particular day, I was like, I'm going to wear these with cute black and white penny loafers. I'll do a button down shirt, a black like vintage looking button down shirt I got uh, from a flea market and my little gold chain and and a cute cropped sweater like a cardigan opened up kind of a retro look, right? Sometimes I like going the retro vibe. Just depends on my mood and the weather. But for this one, I was actually had like butterflies in my stomach because I was getting to go to an actual shoot. So it was like, what, four or five models, right? So I get there, had all my stuff, unloaded everything. And how it usually works is you lay out everything that you're going to be shooting. And I have this new assistant who's helping me. She goes to LMU, uh, which is a university towards the Malibu area. Anyway, that doesn't matter. She was helping me lay everything out. And once you have it all planned out, the looks that you want to shoot, we're shooting quite a few. Uh, then everyone comes over. So you have the hair, the makeup artist, the 
four models were there at the time. Um, the production manager and the photographer, and then usually like the editor from the magazine and then myself. So it's, you know, a busy set, a lot of people there, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, if you will. But I brought my A game, especially because this was the only shoot I had that week. So I could really be present. And I felt good taking my time to get ready. I hate getting ready in a rush. Oh, God. I'm trying to get better about it like making sure I give myself enough time in the morning, but it really is a game changer when you feel good going into your workday and taking time. Even if you're going into your workday, which means your living room for a Zoom situation, even if that's the case, taking your time and just feeling good, it could be annoying or you might not want to wake up a little extra early, but well, at least for me, it really makes a difference. Anyway, I'm just dragging this story on so long. You guys are like, Lo, tell us what happened. Okay, so uh, I'm showing all the different outfits and I got everyone's kind of circled around me, like a half circle, right? And I'm in the middle, boom, center in the ring, Britney Spears circus, all lies on me in the center of the freaking fashion ring. So I'm showing all the different looks and we had all the shoes lined up, tons of shoes. So I show the looks and then I grab the shoe and I'm, you know, this is look one, this is look two, let me know what you guys think. We can work on lighting, whatever. And then I wanted to grab a pair of shoes that were kind of behind the rack. So I bent over to get the shoes and I kind of heard a ripping noise. And I thought, did I just fart? Did I just pass wind in front of all these people? Or did I rip my pants like up my ass? Because my pants are a little tight on my booty, I must say. Full disclosure. So as I was talking, I kind of like felt my butt to see like if my pants ripped. And then I made a joke and I was like, oops, I thought I farted. <laughs> and then everyone's like, oh, no, don't worry about it if you did. And I'm like, I didn't. It was just a weird noise. It's probably from the rack or something. So anyway, went about my business and uh, we started shooting the looks and it, it was first thing in the morning. So, you know, it was a long day, uh, but I'd say three hours in. Yeah, it was yeah about three hours in and I'm, you know, shooting everything and this model comes up to me and she's so sweet. And uh, she goes, um, excuse me, uh, Mr. Lowe, Mr. Lowe. I can't believe she called me Mr. Like I'm freaking 70 years old. And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? Everything good. And she's like, um, your penis is showing. I wanted to die. I'm like, what? And I look down my, my literal dick is out exposed. My nuts are out like the whole situation everything. And it's not in the most flattering light, by the way. I didn't have underwear on. These pants are tight, so I didn't wear underwear. I usually do wear underwear. This particular day, I just decided to free ball it. I know. Bold freaking move. <laughs> so I looked down and yeah, it's all... I, I can't believe I didn't notice that my dick was out. My balls were out, like completely exposed. The pants had ripped in the front of my crotch all the way up from... To like my waistband down. So, so yeah, I was completely exposed. And I did feel a little bit of a draft, to be honest, but I don't know. I was so busy. Plus, I had the mask on. You know, I'm just like, I was busy doing my thing. I was adrenaline rushed doing this photo shoot. But so right away, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like I panic, full blown panic. And I grab whatever I could find, which is like a dress nearest to me on the rack. And I put it in the front of me and I'm just mortified. I'm mortified. And I know that a lot of people had seen it and they were probably like the stylist, his dick is out, you know, but I'm like, why didn't anyone say anything to me? So I asked him like, Hey, did you notice that earlier? And you're just saying something now. She's like, no, no, I didn't notice it earlier. And then one of the other girls goes, I noticed, but I didn't want to say anything. I'm sorry. And I'm like, okay, we're not friends. Like what the hell? Anyway, it was really cold in the studio. Okay. So let me just say that too. It's just so it's not the most flattering situation. If it was like a nice warm studio day, maybe outside, I would still be embarrassed, but I wouldn't want to throw myself off the top of the building. But Anyway, I couldn't even make eye contact with anyone after that. So yeah, Sean in Australia, that's my most recent embarrassing moment, exposing myself, dick and balls out in the open. Mm. 
All right, next question comes from Lindsay in San Diego, California. Oh, she a California queen, local. She writes, hi, Lo. I love your fashion sense and your clients always look so beautiful. Aw. I heard your interview with Jason Tardick on Restart Reset and I loved it. I definitely want to go the entrepreneurship route. I'm a hairstylist and it's always been my dream to get my own salon. Now I finally have it. Oh, congrats. She said rent is expensive and it is a tough industry, especially right now. We're still in the beginning stages of the business, but I do all of my friends and family at the salon and I give them a discount. So I usually just break even. Obviously, I love my friends and family so much, but the favors and the touch-ups are starting to cost me. Any advice from one business owner to another? Uh, yes, Lindsay, I have advice for you. Stop discounts now. <laughs> all right, let me just start off, Lindsay, by saying, first of all, congrats to you. Uh, like, kudos to you for starting your own business, like entrepreneurship route. Like, that's very exciting and not easy to do. You're doing that during a pandemic? Like, damn. Like, that's very impressive and super exciting. So that's the first thing. Great. And this is a dream of yours. That being said, I always remember, especially when I started my own business, you know, and we're in, both in the service industry. I style dressing people for a living. You're styling doing hair. You know, when it comes to entrepreneurship and owning your own business, 20% of new businesses fail during the first two years of being open. And 45% of them fail in the first five years. 65% of those businesses fail in the first 10 years. So there's only about, what is that, 25% of businesses that make it to the 15-year mark. So I'm at the 10-year mark. So I'm like, okay, we're still going. Choo, choo, keep going, little train. But what I'm getting at is these are numbers that shouldn't dishearten you. I think it's you should put them at the forefront to stay aware because we're dealing with your dream here. And if there's any probability or chance of you not achieving your dream, we have to make sure we're taking all the steps to ensure that you can still achieve your dream. So that being said, when it comes to giving a discount to your friends and your family, not to be harsh, but I don't think you should. Don't think you should give them a discount. And this is why your friends and family, they love you. They want to support you. They want you to succeed. And if they truly feel that way, which they should, then they will pay your full rate. Perfect example is I have a girl who cuts my hair. She's been a friend of mine for years. We get along great. And she actually has offered me a discount because I am her friend. I don't take the discount, though. I actually don't take it. And I make sure I overtip her each time because I'm supporting my friend and I want her to succeed. Even if I don't have that money where I'm like, ooh, this is a tight month. I remember having that. I would still make sure I tip her or I would just wouldn't get a haircut that week because I'm like, you know, I'm going to skip this month or whatever because I want to make sure I'm, I'm supporting, you know, a friend who has a dream. Your friends and your family are the ones that should not be asking those favors of you, especially in this really crucial, critical time for your business. You're laying the foundation for the next five years. Right now, what you do in this first year will set the tone for what you have coming in for the next five. So it's really important to set up those healthy boundaries with your friends and family. And I know it's difficult and the conversations could be awkward, but they don't need to be. And here's the thing, you could hook them up in other ways. So when it comes to your time, which is the most valuable thing that you have, and you need to throw yourself completely into this business, but there's other things like, for example, if you get product into your salon, which I don't know if you have any contracts to get product sent regularly, but a lot of times they'll send over like a huge box of samples. I know one of my girlfriends actually has a salon and they always send her like Orbe, which is a pretty expensive shampoo, but they send her like a whole uh, sampler type kit to hand out to clients and stuff like that. And then she gets the full, you know, shampoos, conditioners, the full size version, which she sells in her salon and she gets them at wholesale. But she's always, you know, for little birthdays and, you know, thinking of you type moments, she'll always send over shampoos, conditioners, like the travel size ones, which is still hooking her friends and family up. They're getting a little something, something, you know, it's cool to be friends with the salon owner, but she's not hurting her business. You know, she's not taking the most valuable thing, which is time. You know, they're not taking that from her. So I feel like your friends should want you to succeed and they should be willing to to pay full price. And tip you well. At the bare minimum, pay full price, though. 
Uh, and yeah, I don't, it might be uncomfortable for you to have that conversation, but I guarantee you, if you talk to them about it, they'll be like, oh, of course. Yeah, we want you to succeed. You know what I mean? So, and down the line, when your salon is thriving and you're killing it and you want to treat someone to a free haircut or some balayage on the house, like then you can do that at that point. But I think right now your focus needs to be, you know, really setting up boundaries and, and setting yourself up for success. And if that means telling your Aunt Susan that she's going to have to pay full price for a cut and color, well, then so be it. And if they don't want to do that, well, then, you know, go to Target and buy a box color, you know, <laughs> but it's like, or go to another salon. If a family member, no, I wouldn't even use a family member. Like, let's just say me. Like, if I were to go to a random person who's never cut my hair and say, like, and ask them for a discount, they'd be like, absolutely not. Why would I expect that from someone I'm close with then? I just think that's, if anything, I'd hope to get it from the stranger that I've never worked with before. Like if a random hairstylist that I've never worked with said like, hey, um, you know, I'd like to give you a discount today. I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, I don't know you. That's great. I'll take it. But again, it's different if there's a personal relationship, you know, and if, if you know, it's a new business, like if a hairstylist offered me a discount, you know, which I've had happen. You know, we'll exchange services. I remember I styled a shoot for a hairstylist and they ended up, you know, cutting my hair and in, in one of my best friends. You know, we'll exchange of goods type of a thing, services. But other than that, mm -mm, no, they need to pay full price. Sorry, got to draw a line in the sand with the fam and your friends, but they'll definitely understand. I, I'm sure they will. If they don't, well, they're not supporting you then, you know, that's a bigger issue there. All right, that was a long-winded answer, but I love entrepreneurship, and oh, I wish my mama was here for that one. Yeah, we're going to do a whole episode just on business and entrepreneurship and the fundamentals of, you know, building your own business. She'll be great for that. That's coming up in the future. And next week, I have a great guest, for real this time. <laughs> you guys are like, yeah, right, Lo, your invisible friend. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. No, we have a real guest next week. Can't wait for you to hear. And uh, it's going to be a great episode. But until then, I hope you have a beautiful weekend ahead. I'm going to be eating clean this weekend because I threw it down this week. Damn. It was like Thanksgiving week with the Queen's birthday celebration. And oh, just, yeah, I was uh, having chocolate covered strawberries, Girl Scout cookies. Oh, damn. That's my kryptonite. Those little Buddhas make the best damn cookies. I'll tell you that much. Oh, I can't say no to the Thin Mints. Oh, and the Samoas with the freaking coconut. Although, I don't think they're called Samoas anymore. Is that politically incorrect? Damn. My bad. I mean, I love Samoans. They're amazing. I love chop suey. I'm down for Samoan anything. Uh, but maybe the cookies are called Caramel Circles, Caramel Delights. Anyway, it's the chocolate and the little shredded coconut. They are delicious. So my, I used to use the excuse, oh, I have to support my niece and I had to buy five boxes because I support, you know, the Girl Scouts and I'd get the little order forms or I'd see the girls outside of Gelson's. They'd be killing it. Everyone's buying boxes from them, but they're not there. You know, the pandemic, no one's, no Girl Scouts are selling cookies outside of the store. Now it's just done from an app where you go on the website. So I can't blame my gluttonous ways on the Girl Scouts of America. I just got to take full ownership of it. That's the thing with me. There's really no in between. I have a very extreme personality. I got to work on that. But like, even when it comes to like dieting or I don't like to say dieting, but like eating healthy, I'm either like Tom Brady prepping for the freaking Super Bowl, Lance Armstrong, Tour de France. I'm pretty disciplined. I get my workout. I'm drinking full water. You know, I'm staying away from any type of booze. And eating relatively clean for the most part. I'm either that or what's that show on TLC? Thousand Pound Sister. Yeah, I'm one or the other. No in between for me. So it's like, damn, Lo, that learning the balance, huh? But I enjoyed gorging myself and feasting for the last four or five days. It's been really nice. But this weekend, I'm going to, you know, clean it up a little bit, maybe have a salad. My body might reject it because it's not used to eating that these last five days. Uh, but I'm going to have a nice salad, maybe a juice. And uh, yeah, keep it pretty clean over the weekend. I say that now and then I'm going to be like, I want mac and cheese and 
I'm going to Postmates some Pinkberry. <laughs> oh, side note, I thought it was going to be taken off the air. I was going to lose the podcast, lose all my low lifer listeners. Uh, I would be banned from Apple Podcasts and dropped from my network after I did the Caitlin Bristow interview and I confessed to not liking friends. <gasps> Blasphemy, I know. Yeah, I was like, this is treading in some dangerous waters over here. I'm about to lose everything for this statement. But you know what? I have to say, yeah, there were people that were like, you're crazy low, Caitlin included, because she loves friends so much. But I had a few people that came through and were like, you know, low, you are brave. Uh, we applaud you for your bravery because I don't like friends either. I had a few people that came out and said that. But I get where the Friends fans are coming from. Like, that'd be the equivalent of someone saying, like, I don't like Mariah Carey. I'm like, what? Are you freaking nuts? It just says a lot about your taste level. So anyway, thank you for not judging me too harshly for not loving Friends. The way certain people love Friends and always have that show on and it's like a feel-good show, that show for me is The Office. Like, that's my vibe. I love that show. It's my go-to favorite. And some people don't like it at all or have never seen it, which is like crazy to me. But Daisy Pia, she wrote the cutest comment. Her The subject of her comment with five stars is, I don't like Friends either. Five stars because you said you didn't like Friends, JK, but I feel ya. <laughs> Daisy Pia, I love you. And then um, I got another really sweet comment. You guys, thank you for rating and subscribing and leaving five stars. I say it every podcast, but I say it because it's so important and it means everything. Like, even if you just leave a freaking poop emoji, like, that's cool. Like, you could do what you want to do. Like, it helps. Everything helps, even if it's just a poo emoji. Every comment helps the algorithm. So I'm able to do free shows and put out more content for you. Um, it just is the best thing you could do for any podcast, especially a little engine that could like mine is to actually leave a comment and a five-star rating. Oh, and subscribing. That helps uh, with everything. Uh, but I got a really sweet comment too from Kenzie. It's Kenzie with I-I-I-E-E. -E, and she said, my favorite podcast to listen to while I cook dinner. Lo is sweet, real, and has great advice. What are you cooking, Kenzie? Slide into the DMs and give me some recipes. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys again for taking the time to actually leave a comment. And uh, yeah, it really means a lot. And I hope you have a beautiful weekend ahead. Have a little cocktail perhaps. And don't forget to drink your water, puta. Because I know you're thirsty. I love you and I'm out. We keep it moving. Yeah, we do.